Welcome to episode 11 of the Be Emmaus podcast, where we'll be discussing the Old Testament portion of this week's reading plan. My name is Anton Brooks, and I'm here with David Schrock, the pastor of preaching and theology here at Aquaquam Bible Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to focus in on Exodus 21. I mean, there have been some tough questions brought forth by listeners uh, in reference to Exodus 21 and what is the meaning of the slave language um, in these texts. Is it, you know, how does it apply to us? How did it apply to the Israelites at that time? So we're just going to have a discussion and dive deeper into this. All right, so verse 20, Exodus 21, 20 reads, When a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod, and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. But if the slave survives a day or two, he is not to be avenged, for the slave is his money. So that's a tough scripture, um, but we're going to work our way back to that. So we're going to start a little earlier in Exodus and just find where Exodus 21 fits in the whole book of Exodus. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Uh, let's just thinking about Exodus uh, as a book entirely. We've talked about this a couple times, right? So um, Exodus 1 through 18 uh, tells us the, the Exodus proper, the Passover, uh, how the Lord delivered his people out of slavery uh, to Pharaoh and bondage therein uh, to bring them to his holy mountain, to make them his people, to bring them to his house. Uh, so we see that in chapters 1 through 18. Then chapters 19 through 24 speak about this covenant uh, that is going to be made. And so uh, even chapter 21 that we're going to spend most of our time thinking about is in the context of a covenant that God is making with his people. Um, in chapter 20, we see that the Ten Commandments are given, the right. Ten Words. So literally in chapter 20, verse 1, it talks about the Word of God or the words of God. And there are ten words that are given. Perhaps one for every finger. Uh, mm-hmm. To remember kind of these key ideas, these key things uh, that the people of God are to conduct themselves the way they're supposed to live. But then chapter 21 through chapter 23 are the judgments of God or the just decrees of God. Mm-hmm. Right? So you see that in the language of Exodus 21 verse 1 that begins, now these are the rules or the just decrees. So the word mishpat is in that word rules and has an idea of justice. Now These are the, the rules that you shall set before them. And so chapter 21 through chapter 23 then uh, are going to begin to unpack these rules for the people of God who are going to be a light unto the nations at that point. And then they're going to ratify this covenant in chapter 24, where Moses is going to sacrifice an animal, throw blood on the altar, throw blood on the people. They're going to uh, promise to obey all of these things. And then chapter 25 through chapter 40, we'll talk about that in another episode, uh, this tabernacle that is built 16 chapters on, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, curtain rods and clothing for priests and things like that. Uh, so sick, uh, very important, but hard for us to understand how that exactly works out. So that's how the book sets up. And then again, chapter 21 is going to be the first of these just rules um, that God gives to his people that to us, as we read them, it's like, wait a minute, it doesn't seem so just, mm-hmm. uh, especially in that language you just read in verses 20 through 21. Yeah, I think there's even going back to the beginning when you, when you read 21, um, verse 1 right there, it said, now these are the rules that you shall set before them. The next line is, when you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. So is there a distinguishment between a Hebrew slave and another slave, another slave that is not a Hebrew? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously he's, he's um, talking here about family. Right. Right, so the people of Israel are the Hebrews. And so 
Um, the context, many commentators help us to see this, and we can actually see this if we go back into the book of Genesis, that if you're purchasing here, if you're an Israelite at this time and you were to do that, it seems as though you are bringing uh, a brother or a sister, someone in the Israelite people, um, you're purchasing them to protect them, to, um, to take care of them because of the situation of poverty. Okay. Right? And so uh, certainly what is being given to them is specific to this time and this place and cannot be applied universally right. to any other place or any other time. Right? There's only one nation that has ever been the nation of God. Right. right. So that's the language earlier in Exodus 19, that you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Look, there's no other holy nation on the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. right? Our nation is not, certainly look at the history, it has not been a holy nation. Right. Um, even Christians who have taken the name of Christ have not always conducted themselves in just ways. So yeah, there's something particular here uh, to, to the people of Israel at this time. Yeah. So I think it would also would be helpful to ask the question. All right, so in the Bible, we see the word slave, but it's not always translated from the same word. I think that sometimes it actually has different meanings yeah. um, depending on how it's used or the word that it was originally transfer, um, translated from. That's right. So how do, we, how do we understand when we're reading it what the true intent was, you know, just as a layman who hasn't gone to school? Yeah, <laughs> so I think Martin Luther talked about the, the language as being the sheath, which... Uh, holds the, the sword of God's Word, right? Right. There are some things that we read in our English Bible that unless we get to the original languages, we will not do well with, right? Right. So every English translation is a translation, mm -hmm. right? It, it, which means it's an interpretation of, of what is found in the original. And so if you were to go back to the original, um, and thankfully there are commentaries that you can read on this, and there are scholars who study these things, and we have access to know this, this word for slave here is the word ebed, and ebed is a word that is used for the servant of the Lord. Right. right. Moses was a servant of the Lord. Joshua was a servant of the Lord. David was a servant of the Lord. So there's a connotation that's slightly different uh, than what we would have today, mm -hmm. certainly the way that we might come to that word. Uh, we were talking about this earlier in the New Testament, right? Right, yeah. Uh, there's a different word, doulos, right? You did some studying on that. What did you find about the word doulos? Yeah, so doulos is in the New Testament over a hundred times but when it was translated into, which means slave, mm -hmm. but when it was translated into English, um, every time except one in the New Testament, um, the word servant was replaced with slave mm -hmm. just because a slave had a bad connotation. Yeah. So to make it easier to, to read and to understand and for people not to get caught up in the word, it was translated servant um, instead of slave. Yeah, so I think again, to understand the author's original intent, right? right? We have to go back and see the language that they used, the words that they chose and the words that they didn't choose, Yeah. right? And so um, certainly in our English translations, in fact, I was just looking for this, uh, in Exodus chapter 9, uh, verse 20, because um, this word, ebed, is used all throughout the book of Exodus, and it's translated in the English Standard Version, as one example, as slave and servant, Right. right? And for instance, in Exodus chapter 9 and verse 20, uh, it's really striking because it says, Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh mm -hmm. hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. Servants and slaves, that's two different words, right? Right. No, it's yeah. the same word, right? Well, yeah, in English it's yeah, different words. Right, it's yeah. words. I mean, yeah, yeah. So we read that and we read it as, yeah, he, he's using different words there. Right. But if we go back to the original Hebrew, it's like, no, this is the same word, but it seems as though the translators for the ESV 
are doing something where servants of Pharaoh and slaves of his, there's a distinction of how they're being treated, because obviously right. there were, right? But the same word is being at work there. I think mm -hmm. one other thing, you just go back to ask the question, which is just doing a word study on these things, right? This is, if we want to be faithful to read the Bible, one tool that we have in our tool belt to understand what it means is to do a word study. Right. right? This is long. This is arduous. <laughs> uh, this is where concordances help us. So right. Strong's concordance can be really helpful. But if I'm doing a word study, I want to know what the Greek or the uh, Hebrew word is. Right. right. Because sometimes, as you're talking about, the English can mask what the word is. Right, right? yeah. But if you go back, again, just thinking to this word uh, by, right, in Exodus 21, uh, verse 2, when you buy a Hebrew slave. Well, that word, the last time it is used, um, is in Exodus 15, 16. Right? In Exodus 15, 16, it's the, the song of Moses, and he's singing. He says, Terror and dread fall upon them, that is the nations who hear about God's power delivering the people of Israel, because of the greatness of your arm, they're still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased, mm. you, you have bought. So the people of Israel are actually identified by the redemption that is taking place there. That might help us to see in Exodus 21 verse 2, when you redeem a Hebrew slave, mm -hmm. right, or buy, or purchase. I, I don't want at all to just kind of say, okay, here's a fancy way to get around this problem text. Right, yeah. But just how Moses is speaking, how the people of Israel are understanding this, like, no, just as God purchased, redeemed, bought the people of Israel, out of slavery by doing powerful works for their good. So it seems as though the laws that God is giving to the people of Israel in Exodus 21, I mean, it's striking that the first thing he speaks of after right. the Ten Commandments is like a whole chapter on slave conditions. Right, yeah. And if we take verse 1 to say that these are the just decrees of God, I think what he's doing is to make sure that when a time arises when one Hebrew purchases or redeems another, that that one who has the power and perhaps the, the resources to do that is just, mm. right? And to protect the slave that is there. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't disagree with that. I guess the, the part that makes it difficult is, is it seems to, in verse 21-20, condone um, beating a slave to near death as long as uh, they are, as long as they remain alive, because, it, you know, the text says that for the slave is his money. Yeah. So I think that people, um, when we read that, well, people have used that um, that text to condone slavery, especially here in America. Yeah. And when we read it, it makes it seem like, you know, if we just read it as it is, you That's know, it right. seems like it's condoning slavery or the beating of a slave. Um, to near death. Absolutely. You know, so I think that's a uh, that's why that scripture in particular, that verse is so tough. Yeah. No, uh, no question. I mean, it has uh, a verse like that has been taken out of context and used metaphorically speaking to defend literally speaking the beating of others and the killing of others. Right, yeah. Right. And in particular, the, you know, um, the slave trade America of whites killing blacks. Right, yeah. Right. And it's it's a horrible thing. Right? I mean, because we want to say that every single word that God has written is, is good, is just, is true, is right. And yet, Satan has inspired men and women to, to use the word of God to do wicked things. Right, yeah. Right? And this is why it's so important that we read every verse in context. Mm -hmm. Right? Because, so I, I think I have to say, like, on one hand, it's like, okay, what, what does verse 20 and verse 21 mean? 
say, I'm not quite sure. Mm -hmm. But in the context, it has to mean something that is for the good and for the justice of God's people. Right. Right. Because that banner verse of verse one is introducing that these are the rules of justice right, for yeah. the people of Israel. Right. And so there's a lot of things going from verse two to verse 20 and 21 that seem to just speak of the slavery here in, in a very different way, mm -hmm. right? I mean, this idea of um, the slave who actually becomes almost like a child in the household of the, the master that is there right. in Israel, even giving their children away as slaves or, or building. I, I think what has to be happening here, uh, and just the, the context helps, that there is a kind of family building, like this is Hebrews who are taking care of one another, and after six years on the seventh year, that year of kind of release, right. right, that that, uh, the one who was indentured to the other one can't continue to hold him in his bonds, Yeah, right, and so there are all these protective measures that are there. I, I think about the verses in verse 12, right, where it says, whoever strikes a man so that he dies, he shall be put to death, right, so it seems as though when we go to verse 20, Right. When a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod, and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. Right. That language there goes back to verse 12. Right, I agree. Right, so that if this master here kills a slave, like he's not going to do it again because he himself will die. Right. right? There is justice that is going to take place there. And certainly I, I would suggest that that verse, verse 20, was never applied in the American slavery context. No, yeah, I would agree. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it sort of reminds me of the way that Satan cuts out Scripture. Mm. Right? Remember what, he, what Satan said to Jesus as he's tempting him in the wilderness? Right? It's really interesting. Um, that would be like in Matthew 4, um, where he says, uh, He will command his angels concerning you. Right? If you, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Mm. Right? So what's He doing there? He's taking this passage out of context. Right? He's tempting Jesus uh, to basically you know, do this thing where He proves Himself to be the Son of God. Right, yeah. But what's the very next verse in Psalm 91 that Satan quotes? It's this. Verse 13, you will tread on the lion and the adder, the serpent, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Mm. How striking that is, that Satan would take out this one verse here to try to deceive Jesus, but the very next verse in verse 13 is actually a continuation of the promise that the serpent himself will be crushed. Right, yeah. Right? I think Satan loves to take the word of God and to pull it out of context and to use it in wicked, wicked ways. Yeah, so Mary and I um, both come from, well, Mary and I are both, my, my wife Mary and I are both descendants of slaves. Yeah. Um, both sides of the family, on my side, both my mother and my father, yeah. um, again, descendants of slaves. So, you know, slave, and we also, we still feel the reper repercussions of slavery. You know, a lot of people would like to think that racism doesn't exist anymore, yeah. but unfortunately, um, it still does, and, and very often it's still aimed at African Americans. Yeah. So... The slave language is, uh, you know, we automatically have uh, feelings about um, slave language in general. Yeah. But one thing I did try to remember, or I tried to put this into um, personal context for myself is, yeah. um, I believe when I look at the Bible from the beginning, 
or from the fall yes. um, that we have, uh, I think that's when slavery was, uh, I don't want to say instituted, but I think that's when it began. Yeah, it was not God's plan in the beginning. Right. Absolutely. And we either, even today, I think we're either slaves to sin mm -hmm. or um, if you look at the word slave as being purchased or owned, yeah. we're either slaves to Jesus. Yeah. I think if we read 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, um, we see how Jesus uh, purchased us. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read that, yeah. starting at verse 19. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glory God in your body and in the spirit, which are God's. So it says that we are bought with a price. Yeah. And, and um, you know, it doesn't say this here, but the price is Jesus' sacrifice, um, death, burial, and resurrection. That's right. And we are, in th like we said, the, the Bible in the, in the New Testament uses the word doulos. Yeah, that's right. Doulos. Yep. I always want to say doulos. Yep. That's right, doulos. <laughs> and yep. doulos, yep. Um, which was, I think was 126 times or so in the New Testament. Um, but we replaced it or it was replaced with the word servant mm -hmm. um, for, for language sake. So I do, I do recognize that um, slave, the word slave is bigger than American slavery. Yeah. You know, it is, um, it's a word that's, that's been around for a long time yeah. um, in different languages, but the concept of slavery, of being owned by um, an individual is, goes back to nearly the beginning. Yeah. Well, I would even say the beginning because, if, because Adam did belong to God, yeah, that's right. You know, Adam yeah. and Eve did belong to God. So we, we humans, we belong to someone. That's right. Yeah. So and then you know we have the the option to um, be slaves to sin. Yes. Or we can give our lives to Christ. Yeah. And um, and when we do so, that purchasing power that was spoken of in First Corinthians six nineteen through twenty, yeah. then applies to us, yeah. and we belong yeah. to Christ. We belong to Him. We're subject to Him. Yeah. And there's no other way to the Father but through Him. Yeah. But I'm so thankful just for you and just your willingness and just what God has done in your life to say, okay, allowing Scripture to to be the the priority and, and the thing that the Lord has used in so many ways, because we've talked about this. Right. Um, how close for you is slavery? I mean, we think yeah. oftentimes that oh, that's that was a long, long way in the past. You know, I haven't personally had any experience like that. Right, but brother, we've talked about this. Share how close slavery was. Yeah. So, family. for me, when I was ten years old, um, I'll just put it this way: when I was ten years old, we went to a birthday party for my great grandmother. Yep. Um, at the time, she was turning either a hundred or a hundred and one. Wow. So this was, I believe, in 1982. Okay. And she was born, so therefore she was born in the 1880s. Yeah. Um, the early 1880s. And yep. she, her parents were slaves. And technically, she was still in bondage when she was a child. And as a child, they had to escape. Yeah. So, you know, I personally had the opportunity to speak with not only her, but um, siblings of hers. Yeah. Um, other relatives of mine who... Um, whose parents were slaves and had to escape from bondage yeah. even in the eight, you know, after, um, after the Emancipation Proclamation, yeah. um, still had to escape. And, you know, so, and even in my own experience, you know, um, the Ku Klux Klan came to my school when I was, yeah. a, when I was in 10th grade. Yeah. Um, you know, that I've been... In the 90s? 
Yeah, it was, um, no, it was 1986. 1986. Yeah, 1986. Okay. No, I'm sorry, 1987. 1987, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm going to get it right. Okay. Um, also, you know, things like, you know, just routine stuff growing up, um, you know, being uh, held at gunpoint by the police, being arrested even though you didn't commit a crime. Yeah. Um, just all kind of crazy stuff yeah. that, that happened to me that did not happen to um, my friends who were white. Yeah. And it was just it was just a part of life. You know, one of the things that as an African-American, I, I'm not saying that white people don't do this, but mm -hmm. one of the things I tell my son, if you get pulled over, you put your hands on the steering wheel, yeah. you roll down your window, and you don't move until the cop asks you, for your license yeah. and your registration, yeah. and then you keep your hands in plain sight. You know, we have to go through all this because, um, you know, there is an unfortunate history. Not that most police officers aren't bad, yeah. but it only takes um, a few people in authority, whether yeah. black or white, yeah. um, to use your authority negatively. So, brother, how does that impact the way that you read the Bible? Um, well, I decided I had to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Um, not only in, in this context, but when it comes to um, voting, um, what I watch, what I listen to, mm -hmm. to put my identity in Christ yeah. and not in the color of my skin yeah. or in my gender or in my any of my abilities, yeah. because none of those things um, will lead me to salvation, yeah. only through Jesus Christ. Yeah. So even though sometimes it is difficult in the flesh because we have feelings, Absolutely. we have experiences yeah. um, that we've been through and the experiences of family members, um, you know, when you when I put my identity in Christ, um, I can I believe I can read the word or understand the word more clearly. Yeah. You know, no, I think I mean, again, I'm so thankful for God's work in your life in that way and your um, willingness to, to follow him in that. Yeah. Right, for you and for Mary in those ways. Right. I mean, it reminds me when we come to the text of Scripture. Uh, we always come with those experiences. Yeah, right? true. We none of us have you know crystal clear glasses to be able to see the scripture. That's right. Right, and we talk often about we want to read the Bible on its own terms. Yeah. Right, and yet we have difficulty with the terms <laughs> yeah. that are found in the Bible. And certainly, when we come to a pastor like um, Exodus twenty-one, there are terms there that for us are just so loaded. Mm -hmm. Right, and so on one hand. We can try to figure out, okay, how does Moses mean these things? On the other hand, as we kind of make our way to application to Christ and mm -hmm. then to us, um, you know, it's like, man, these are, these are hard things, right? right? Um, I think this is one thing that where a good biblical theology can help us, right? Right, meaning that we talked about this that everything in the Old Testament that has been given there, especially we're going to see this in chapter twenty-five, is therefore a pattern. Right? It's moving its way to Christ. Mm. Right? And you mentioned 1 Corinthians 6, right? to be purchased by Christ. Right, yeah. right? That purchase language actually finds its, um, its background, finds its kind of definition, not in the, the Roman slave trade uh, of Corinth, but rather in the historical events of the Exodus. Right, yeah. Right? So, I mean, Moses and Jesus and Elijah talked about the Exodus that Jesus would lead. Right. right. So when we come to Paul and he uses the language of purchase and redemption, he's getting that language from the Exodus. So maybe that's just helpful to see that when we move from Exodus 21 to ourselves today, we have to make sure that we see how it connects to Jesus. Mm. Because without Jesus, like, I don't even want to touch that verse. Right, yeah. Right? I mean, um, and why would we? Uh, but in Christ, in you know, how this is preparing the way for him, and then try, I mean, whenever we come to text scripture, okay, how can I... Um, Follow the golden rule, 
Right. right? Doing unto others as I would want them to do to me. When right. you and I are speaking, it's like we should follow the golden rule, yeah. right? To understand what someone else is saying, right? I think just in the conversation of, of race today, it's like, man, we need to do that a ton, mm. right? Even if, you know, speaking for, you know, uh, White brothers and sisters in Christ say, well, I've never experienced that. I don't understand that. It's like, but are we listening? Right. Right? Are we listening to the pain, the hurt, the history, the suffering that is there, and allowing that to inform the way we have these conversations? So at the end of the day, we fall on our face before Jesus. We come before the cross and say, apart from the cross, I have no hope. Mm -hmm. At the cross, we die to ourselves and are raised in Christ, so my identity is found in Him. And then hopefully we can go to the Scriptures together and say, okay, how do we, with our various experiences, sit under the Word of God together and help one another to understand those things? Right. And he, I would say even though it's difficult and it's painful sometimes, um, the things that we go through, whether it be, um, you know, racism or, or any kind of uh, pain that, or trauma that is, that is put upon us by other people, for me as a Christian, I have to remember that Christ and the disciples went through so much of what you would find in slavery. Mm. You know, the beatings, mm. Um, mm. the the killings, yeah. um, just so much of what yeah. what you would see. They went through this yeah. for us. So yeah. you know, these are these aren't people sitting, you know, somewhere in some comfy place writing. You know, this is what you might go through. This yeah. they went through this. You know, right. All the disciples um, uh, after after the resurrection except for John were killed and they tried to kill John, <laughs> you know, so, That's so right. they were all, and he was tortured. Yeah. So, you know, so, and obviously Christ, you know, he was, he was brutally um, beaten and the, the movie Passion of the Christ is, is very graphic, but I still mm -hmm. don't even believe that is mm -hmm. graphic enough or, or, or shows the full picture of what yeah. Christ went through for us. Well, yeah, I mean, just thinking about that, I mean, in some ways it can't, right? Because of just the wrath of God on, on the, on the sun, right, right? Yeah. or I should say, you know, on the, the human nature, Jesus Christ. But uh, there's something there mm -hmm. in the violence that is experienced in the disciples. So, brother, I think that's exactly right to be able to see that in Scripture and to yeah. be, what does it mean to carry our cross? Yeah, right, and, and to see faithful, persecuted Christians today, faithful African Americans in the past who, you know, suffered greatly, and yet held fast to Christ yeah. and have something to teach the world. Um, because of their faithfulness. And even in that, I don't think we can use, I think so often it's, it's so easy for us to use our, our pain, not, mm. not just African Americans, just in general, yeah. whatever is the source of that pain as, in, as a crutch. Yeah. And not that the pain isn't there, but I can't allow um, the history of what's happened to me and mm -hmm. my ancestors yeah. to be a reason mm -hmm. to not follow after Christ. Yeah. Uh, and you know, because we're definitely not the only ones who've been through pain. We look mm. at the Holocaust, and mm -hmm. you know, we look at even today. We look at um, the sex trade, oh, and yeah. we look at so yep. many people who yep. are, are going. You know, and then in the world right now, there yeah. are so many Christians who are being persecuted, killed, um, houses being burned. Yeah. You know, things that we don't have things to going on go in China through. Right yeah, now. right. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Africa. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, is, is a big yep. place where where a lot of that yep. is happening. So, I, I, one, I'm thankful um, that I'm here in America and mm -hmm. that I have the opportunity to sit with you and even talk about yeah. um, the Bible and, and how we can read better. We have the opportunity to, to come to church on Sunday yeah. and on Tuesday night and, and other nights when we do right. um, book clubs and Wednesday nights when we do family nights together. So we're, we have a, a level of freedom here that just doesn't exist in a lot of places. And yeah. um, so I want to 
I say that to say I just want to use the opportunity that God has given me to grow in relationship with Him. Amen. I want to take advantage of that. So right. I cannot allow um, what has happened to be a reason not to. It still doesn't make it easier to understand Exodus. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so I yep. do, I do yep. want to illustrate that. Or yep. it doesn't, or, or to, I think we talked about this yesterday, yeah. to realize that when people under any circumstance can can levy this kind of damage against another person, that it is spiritual and satanic. It is yeah, a spiritual war going on That's and it's right. very satanic. Absolutely. So there is no place for um, excuse yeah. when it comes to the, the, the hurting and, and beating and murder and kidnapping and right. rape and all this other things that happens um, happened and still happens in, right. in modern day slavery. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And, and again, you know, just thinking particularly of the history in America where there were white Christians, those in the church who would take passages like this, mm -hmm. right, and then condone slavery. Right. The only way you could do that is to take these verses out of context, mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, when you look at verse 16, in chapter 21, whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Right. right? Yeah. Either the man stealer or the man buyer. Right. right. Because, I mean, God so cares for his people. He so cares for his family mm -hmm. that capital punishment was the result of that. Well, clearly that was not enforced in any sort of way in the past. Right. Yeah. Because the whole race-based um, slavery was because people were being stolen in order to do that. Right, yeah. Right, and so I, I think, you know, this is where I'm just reminded why reading the Bible as it gives it to it matters so much. Because mm -hmm. we can come at the end of the conversation, at the end of the day, and say, okay, I don't quite know how to make sense of all of this. God does. Mm -hmm. God's words are good and they are just. And if we were to rightly understand them and apply them and move from Exodus 21 to this covenant of the Old Testament, that is preparing the way for Jesus Christ to come. Right. Like this is his perfect and good plan. And anyone who's reading that rightly is not going to be turning in towards sin, but turning away from sin. But don't we know how inconsistent we can be? And certainly there was gross and egregious and satanically inspired inconsistency mm. for those Christians who had used this against uh, another, another man made in the image of God. Yeah. And, you know, I think we talked about this yesterday is that um, the Israelites enslaved themselves to the Egyptians um, so that they could eat at one point. They intentionally put themselves into bondage um, yeah. at certain points. So, yeah, I mean, again, I think that maybe that gives some of the context historically to this understanding of if there's poverty, because right. certainly later you'll find in Leviticus and Deuteronomy places where if there is poverty, one Hebrew can enslave themselves to another for a period of time. Right, yeah. Um, which is so fundamentally different than our, our knowledge of American slavery. Yeah. And also, I don't think the slavery um, that is mentioned in Exodus is race-based. That's exactly right. Yeah, where, which is a huge, huge distinction to make. Right. And I think that's what made American slavery so different than um, previous, uh, you know, episodes or in history of slavery. Uh, I can't really find another time where it was strictly based on race because even in Roman times they had yeah. slaves from everywhere and yeah. you know I don't I'm not really sure but I, I couldn't think of another time where it was just solely based on race. I've seen it based on religion. I've seen it yeah. based on culture, and yeah. I've seen it based on tribe. Yeah, tribe, um, country. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, at the end of war warfare, right, in one war, nation yeah. would often enslave another. 
mm -hmm. right? And, Even and, if they were the same race. Yeah, and, and certainly, you know, we would all say, okay, there's one race, right? All from Adam, all from Noah. Right. But yeah. We know what we're talking about here. I mean, it, it's skin color. Right. Yeah. Right? I mean, that that's what it was, and uh, no, I mean, when you read the New Testament, that's not what's going on, mm -hmm. right? It was based on again warfare is based on other class distinctions. Uh, it wasn't based on on race the way that we know it in our history. Well, fortunately, we have, uh, you know, we're all, we all fall short, you know. Mm -hmm. um, myself and everyone who was involved in the slave trade, and a lot of people who were involved in the slave trade um, did eventually um, find the wrong in it. And there were a lot of um, white Americans who were against slavery. Um, obviously, the majority weren't, but there mm -hmm. were white Americans who put their lives on the line with the mm -hmm. Underground Railroad, hiding yeah. slaves and helping them um, to escape to freedom because they recognized the wrong in it. Yeah. So it's not, I, I, so often, you know, we want to just say that, you know, all white people were involved with slavery, and that's yeah. just not true. I mean, even in, in, in Africa, um, they didn't know what was going to happen, but mm -hmm. when we talk about war, mm -hmm. um, warring tribes would capture each other, mm -hmm. and then they would give those captured um, people over to the white slave traders. Yeah. You know, so that is that is a that is just the truth that is in there. They didn't know where they were going yeah. or what was going to happen to them, yeah. but it is part of what happened. Do you think this is one of the reasons why? I mean, we live in an age today where uh, we tweet first and we think later, mm, right? Is, yeah. And I mean, so often we make categorical statements on Twitter and, and everything else, and there's you know Twitter activism and all the rest. But I'm just convinced more and more that conversations, because like okay. Let's talk some history. Let's talk some Bible. Let's think about. Like it's just it's hard work right, to think yeah. through all of those things and come to a place where my heart is filled with compassion and justice. Right? I mean, like scriptures. Wh why do the Old Testament law given? It's for the purpose of justice, which leads to compassion. Right? But that takes a lot of work. Right. To study yeah. that, to understand that, to recognize in my own heart the wickedness that is there. Uh, to then begin to think, okay, how does justice and compassion work in my home, in my church, mm. uh, in my uh, local area, in my country? Like, it's just hard. Right, yeah. Um, do you think that that's just one of the challenges we face today? Like, the need for longer oh conversations, face-to-face -face conversation on these things? Yeah, and I, I would agree that in this uh, social media um, environment that we live in, and the nature of our entertainment. I mean, this is all I mean, partly a discussion for another time because we could have a <laughs> we could have a whole <laughs> two-hour discussion just based on that. But just you know, shortly say that um, you know, like we said, there there is a spiritual battle that we're fighting, mm -hmm. and unfortunately, um, our entertainment is being used in so many cases to program us to not think. Yeah. Um, and we waste so much, and, and to not only not think, but to actually program us to have a certain way of thinking. Yeah. Um, and I think that is a, a huge problem, uh, you know, in in what's going on in in America, where people just will uh, watch the news or see something on Facebook or online and just go with it as gospel, mm -hmm. versus doing some research and finding out if yeah. what they're believing or even repeating is true. Yeah, no, that's a good word. No, it, just thinking about this conversation today, it just reminds me, you know, how often are tweets used for mostly ill, sometimes good, right, yeah. right? And it's the same kind of just clip 
out of the Bible that can be turned and used in whole ways. That's right, ways, yeah. You know? I mean, we, we're not far from the Museum of the Bible, right? right. And I was telling you just the other day, uh, in the History of the Bible exhibit in America, it talks about the, the slave Bible. Right. Right, the Bible that was put together that's not a Bible at all, as much as taking out any part of the passage, any part of the Bible that might lead slaves to think that they're equal. Right, yeah. Right? And you just see how wicked that was used by men who probably would have called themselves Christians. Right, yeah. Um, but were using God's Word. I think it, you know, the Bible is never to be used, right? The Bible is always to be submitted to. Right, And yeah. ultimately, God alone has that authority. And you said this earlier, I mean, we were made in the image of God. Right. It means that from the beginning, we are to be servants of His. Again, that word ebed, that word servant here in Exodus goes back to, to the garden. Right. Right, that the man and the woman to serve and to guard the garden. Right? So either we're going to be slaves of God, redeemed in Christ, or slaves to sin of our own choosing. That's right. And if we're slaves to sin, we also need to recognize in the world we are also slaves to other sinners. Yeah. Right? And they can right. exploit and misuse. You talked about the, the sex tra trafficking today. Right? Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of that kind of slavery that goes on. And so those who have been purchased by Christ or slaves of His ought to be rightly understanding Scripture to see what justice is and then going out and doing something about it. Yeah. So... You know, in, I guess I don't want to say in conclusion, but uh, one thing I will say is that Exodus is, you know, is like you said, is very difficult or this this portion of, of Exodus is very difficult. And I don't know if um, in 20 or 30 minutes that we could unpack all that is there. But what I can say is for me personally, like what I said earlier and recognizing who I do belong to Amen. and who I put my identity in um, is is what makes it, I don't want to say easy, but what makes it possible for me to just have faith yeah. that whatever um, God has placed in this Bible, mm -hmm. you know, what is he, whatever he's inspired man to write yeah. um, is for my benefit. And I do recognize that um, in the Old Testament, there are things that um, are not God's perfect will. We can go through polygamy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously God designed marriage for a man and a woman, yeah. but... Um, you know, there's, there's obviously polygamy and there's, there's murder um, from mm -hmm. the beginning. Um, there is cleansing. I mean, there's a lot of things that yeah. go on um, that uh, are different for us yeah. in, as New Testament Christians. Well, and I think we just have to be able to, to be clear, like in the scriptures, not everything that's recorded is prescribed. Right, yes, yeah, right, true. Right, so I mean, polygamy, I think is recorded in scripture to say, this is what happens when you don't abide by God's design of one right, man yeah. and one woman, right? And so we see that all throughout. So much that is described is used to say, don't go that way. Mm -hmm. right? Remember what Paul says, that these things are written down for us, for the church. The Old Testament is written for us um, as examples um, so that we wouldn't go in that way of idolatry. Right, right? Yeah. They're given to us on whom the end of the ages have come, so we would learn from them. Uh, I think it's important to be able to say, okay, in this case, this is God's law. Right? So this is something that he has prescribed. This is for the purpose of justice. So we have to put our thinking caps on and say, okay, how do we best understand that? Mm -hmm. And then realize, okay, his word is inspired and inerrant. My interpretation is not. Right, yeah, right? that's true. And so we're going to keep getting closer and closer to understanding what is there. The Spirit helps us to do that. Actually, the Spirit works in the church to do that. Mm -hmm. And the more that there is... Um, you know, multicultural experiences of life, right. sitting under the Word of God, we're going to be able to ask questions and have, 
how does that work? Right, right? Yeah, yeah. And we're able to have that conversation because we're in Christ together. Mm-hmm. But then we go to Scripture to say, okay, how do we do that? Say, I don't know how that verse exactly works out, right? Um, but I trust that God's Word is good. It's for the purpose of justice. If we see all that is found in this passage, like, yeah, there's a lot of protection that is there. But man, that one verse sticks out like a sore thumb. I yeah, it does. That more. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> this concludes our discussion of the Old Testament portion of our reading plan. As you follow along with the reading plan, if you have any questions you would like us to discuss, please send them to vmas at obc.org. We may hear your response in an upcoming episode. Via Emmaus is a podcast of Occoquan Bible Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. Our prayer is that you would read the Bible and read the Bible better. For more resources related to this episode and the gospel-centered ministry of God's Word, visit obc.org.